as Leon said, me and Jess have been here for, uh, I think, two and a half years now. Um, time's gone quick. But, um, yeah, it's, it's an absolute privilege to be able to share uh, what we believe God has put on our hearts uh, for this church. And, um, yeah, as Leon said, we found family here. That's why we stuck around. Uh, we, did, we did the youth work kind of stream with equip we spent a year with Andy and passed the test uh, we didn't kill him so uh, <laughs> Leon let us stay and uh, no but we've we've really have found family here and it, it is an absolute privilege uh, to be able to share with you this morning uh, Jess shared at the 9:30, as Leon said and she did absolutely incredibly uh, she is a tough act to follow but I will do my best so what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw up a picture on the screen but before before it comes up, I just want to say that there's going to be three types of people in the room, okay? So, there's, in fact, before I even say those three types, do you want to get that picture up? Everybody have a quick look at this. Okay. Three types of people in the room. If anyone can't see that or if anybody's listening on podcast, I've just thrown up a picture of Ikea, okay? You can feel the tension in the room. There's three types of people. The first type of people will look at that and it will bring joy to their hearts. It will bring joy to their souls. They'll get so excited about the idea. Even just looking at the pictures, making them nudge their partner or their friend, go, should we go off to church? Do you know what I mean? You're getting so, you're getting that excited about it. You just can't wait to get the meatballs. Do you know what I mean? It's amazing. The second type of you will be looking at that and already this feeling of fear will be coming over you, you'll be panicking, the person nudging you going, should we go, should we go, they're going, no, don't you dare take me to Ikea today, I'm not going, I want to, I want to steer well clear, this third type of you, which is, uh, which is where I kind of sit, you feel quite mixed about the whole thing, um, now if somebody was to say to me, you know, should we go to Ikea, before really thinking about it, you know, I'd go, yeah, let's go, I, I cannot wait, let's do Ikea, I love it, uh, but then you get there, and it's a different story. Do you know what I mean? It's as if when people walk through the doors, you, they just lose their minds and turn into, like, chimpanzees. Everybody's confused. Nobody really knows what they're there for. Like, I find myself, and that is me. Honestly, I include myself in that. I'll be, I'll be pushing the trolley, pushing into people. I'll be nudging people out the way. I'll be reaching over, to, like, reaching over people to grab, like, a, a really cool lemon squeezer. And then I'm like, what am I doing in the kitchen utensils area? I'm here for a mattress. I don't, I, like, I just, I, honestly, I'm just like, what is happening? And I get so confused. But anyway, I buy whatever it is I'm buying. Quite recently, Jess and I have been doing a lot of furniture um, purchases for our houses, uh, for, our, for our houses, for our house. Um, I wish. And um, we, take, we, we, we take those flat pack things home and we, we unpack it. And we have a quick look at the, the manual. We pick up the manual, um, the, the instruction manual. It's not really, there's not really instructions in there, is there? It's, it's more of a comic book. It's just pictures. There's no, there's no words in there. But you, you're looking at it and you're going, this is so simple. This is so, so simple. I cannot, this is going to be so, so easy. And you start putting it up. You start, you feel like you're doing okay. Then you realise two hours have gone. Then you realise three hours have gone. You're still not done. You're still a bit confused. But anyway, you get to the end, and, and in my case, I'll say, Jess, come in, have a look at this wardrobe. How, go how good is it? Haven't, haven't I done such a good job? And she goes, yeah, Jess, that's amazing. That, yeah, that's really good. Where does that piece of wood go? <laughs> and I'm going, oh, uh, 
okay, somewhere along the line, I've lost, I've lost where this was meant to go. Somewhere along the line, and I don't know how far back I'd need to backtrack. I'm thinking, can we just blag it, put it up and hope for the best and just shove that piece of wood under the, under the bed and pretend it doesn't exist? And, and it was so simple. These, these IKEA manuals, they are so simple. And yet somewhere along those journey the journey of building the wardrobe, whatever it you, might, you might be building, you seem to overcomplicate it and it gets a bit confusing. And I believe that in our Christian walk, in our, in our relationship with God, I believe that we're given an instruction manual and it's called the Bible. And my, my dad said this to me before and, and I, I really see what he's saying when he says this. It says, following God, Jack, following God is simple. It's not easy. Following God is simple, but it's not easy. And um, I want to be talking about the topic of faith this morning. Um, and the, the title of the talk is The Truth About Faith. I wanted to call it Flat Pack Faith because I thought it would follow on from the IKEA theme, but, but Jess told me not to, so. I had, to, I had to scrap it. <laughs> but before we start, um, I just want to address what am I talking about when I'm talking about the word faith? Because uh, I can say the word faith, and if I asked every single person in this room what they thought of when I said the word faith, you'd probably get different things. You'd probably get different ideas. But the faith that I want to be talking about this morning is the faith that enables us to have a relationship with God. The faith that en enables us, that, that, that helps us to actually have a relationship with God in the first place. Now, if you're not really sure about God, if you're maybe on the fence about God, my prayer is that you would really understand this morning that, that there is a relationship to be had with God. If you're not really sure, I'm just hoping that this would be a great window to see what it could be like maybe for you to have a relationship with God. If you're not bothered about God at all, um, I'm not forcing anything on you, but uh, I just want to, I mean, I just, I'm, I'm praying that this would be a good window to help you understand that as Christians, we're not perfect. We are not perfect people, but we worship a perfect God. So my first point, we're going to be going through uh, a couple of things that I believe faith isn't. The first point is faith isn't a burden, okay? Faith isn't a burden. Now, uh, Jess and I have, as Leon said, got married recently, and part of our marriage prep, uh, we discussed the topic of expectations and how it's so important to communicate with your partner. It's so important to, um, to, to, to communicate really well. And if you don't, if you kind of have these expectations that are unsaid or unspoken, that can actually cause a bit of a barrier between you and the other person. I heard a quote that said, um, unspoken expectations are premeditated resentments. Unspoken expectations are premeditated resentments, meaning that you're expecting people to do something, but before you even say that, or before they've even done it, you're almost setting yourself up to fail because you're getting annoyed if they don't do it, even though you didn't say you wanted them to do it. 
And again, it's causing that barrier between you and the person you're expecting it of. Uh, some very trivial examples in life that we quite often, will me and Jess find ourselves getting a bit frustrated about, unspoken expectations might be, uh, maybe you expect the washing up to be done when you get home from work. Some people are nudging their partners, getting a bit annoyed already. Uh, maybe you expect your neighbours to bring the bin in because, you know, you brought their bin in last week. Maybe, and this is something that I'm sure the men will agree, I don't really... Anyway, maybe you expect men to leave the toilet seat down. Do you know what I mean? These, these are just un, unattainable expectations. They're unrealistic. But uh, I don't know why you're laughing, really. But I can treat my faith like this. I can treat uh, my faith like this. I put expectations on myself that God never actually put on me. If I'm honest, I really struggle with, and I am going to be really honest, I quite like to gossip. And, um, and I know for a fact that God doesn't want me to gossip. And rather than saying, do you know what, God, what do I need to do? I just go, do you know what, God, I shouldn't be gossiping. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go a whole week without gossiping. I'm just going to cut it out completely, and maybe I'll get a day into it, maybe I'll get two days into it, and I find myself, you know, gossiping a little bit, but then what happens is I get so annoyed with myself, and I feel so guilty, and I feel so bogged down with failing God, and I come to God, and I'm going, God, I failed you again, I tried so hard, and I'm trying not to gossip, but I just keep messing up, and I keep making that mistake. And I put myself down. Maybe it's not gossip for you. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's something a bit more serious than that. And I think maybe it stems from other parts of life. Like I know in a lot of workplaces, you can be set goals, you can be set targets. And, you know, if you don't reach those targets, you're made to feel guilty. And people might say to you, come on, you've, you've, you've not reached your target this time, but try again harder next time. You need to try harder if you're going to achieve these goals, if you're going to achieve these targets. And I think that attitude can trickle into our, our journey with God and can trickle into our, our faith. There's a story in the Bible where Jesus and his friends are on the way to Jerusalem. And on the way they stop off at a friend's house. There's two sisters, one's called Mary, one's called Martha. And uh, some of you will have heard this story before, but Jesus arrives and Mary goes and sits at his feet and is just, well, what it says is she just listens to him. And Martha is kind of getting things ready. She's in the kitchen. She might be cooking up the meal. She might be just clearing up the house. Uh, has anyone seen Marie Kondo? Maybe she's doing a bit of that. Like, who knows? But she's trying to get the place presentable for Jesus. And she comes into the room, she says, Jesus, I'm not being funny. My sister Mary, she's sat here doing nothing whilst I'm getting everything ready, whilst I'm preparing the meal, whilst I'm doing this to try and make it presentable for you. Jesus, tell her to help me. Come on, I need some help. And Jesus responds and says this. My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being, uh, worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, 
and it will not be taken from her. If I'm honest, I'm quite like Martha in this story. I don't know about you, but I feel like maybe I need to get myself in order. Maybe I need to sort some stuff out in my life before I approach God. Maybe I need to make myself a bit more presentable before I approach God. But do you know what I believe? I, I believe that God doesn't want us to be perfect. He doesn't want our perfection. He wants our attention. Because he's saying, look, Mary's got it. Because whilst there might be a mess, whilst there might not be a meal ready, I don't care. Whilst you might not be presentable right now, that doesn't matter. What I need from you is your attention. Imagine what that could look like. If you just focused on Jesus instead of focusing on how you can achieve these things, how you can make yourself perfect. Imagine what life central could look like is if, if we didn't try and achieve these things, if we didn't try and you know, set these targets, set these unattainable expectations and try and reach them. Imagine what would happen is if, if we just focused on him. Because don't forget, it's Jesus who lived the perfect life. It's not us. It was Jesus who died a death and rose again, not us. And it's by believing in Jesus that we're saved. So why do we think that we can do it in our own strength? We're made perfect by believing in him, not by trying to do it ourselves. The second point is that faith isn't a feeling. Feelings can be really helpful. So imagine I'm really excited for my lunch, which I am because we're going to Toby Carvery and I'm starving. Um, but imagine I'm so excited for lunch that I run out here after the service and I run straight into the middle of the road and a car starts coming around the corner. I'm then filled with this feeling of fear that pumps adrenaline around my body and it makes me jump out of the way. That is good. We, we want that, okay? That's a, that's a good feeling because it saves us, it helps us. Feelings are really helpful because it helps us connect with people emotionally. They can be really, really helpful. However, feelings can be very misleading. They change a lot. They're very up and down. And the very definition of a, of a feeling is an emotional state or reaction. An emotional state or reaction. That suggests to me that it's temporary. Feelings are temporary and yet so often we allow our feelings to have the final say on so many different things. The, uh, the, the Greek word um, for faith that is often used in the Bible, I'm going to have to make sure I pronounce this correctly, um, is, is, is pistis, okay? uh, which, which translates as uh, God's divine persuasion or God's guarantee. So faith is God's guarantee to us, not our guarantee to him. I, I, my whole Christ, as far as I'm a, I can remember, to be honest, my whole Christian life, I, until about a year ago, I really struggled with achieving for God and, and, not really, and feeling like my faith was just all over the place. 
And I remember about a year ago, I got to a place where I was saying to God, I, was, I remember it really clearly. I was working for Starbucks and I was washing up some mugs. And I said to God, God, I'm, I'm done. I'm so annoyed. Why do I always battle with this? Why is my faith so up and down? My faith is up and down. I get like, come on, God, you're so good. You're so amazing. And I'm like, God, I cannot even see you. I don't know how you're at work in my life. I don't. I feel so disconnected. And God said to me really clearly, and it's honestly changed my life since. God said, it's not your faith that's up and down. It's your life. How many of us know that life can get you feeling amazing at times? Life can feel really, really good. But the next second, life can make you feel terrible. It's unreliable. And it makes you feel great and feel bad and I got it mixed up because I thought that was my faith that was wavering but God said no your faith is constant because your faith isn't your guarantee it's not how you feel your faith is my guarantee to you it's your feelings that are all over the place and that's okay sometimes it's okay to be a little bit all over the place there's another story in the bible and it's about a dad and this dad represents God but his dad has two sons. One son, as far as we're aware, stays at home and is loyal to his dad and works for his dad. The second son comes to his dad and says, Dad, you know how we're going to inherit some money when you die? Forget the dying part. I want the money now. I'm off. And, uh, and, and you know, dad gives this son the money and, it, and, he, and this son just turns his back on his whole family. He just walks away from from. His dad, he goes out and he, he parties, he goes out drinking. Some, some translations of the Bible says he wasted his money on wild living. So use, use your imagination. But he had the friends, he had the money, he was all sorted. And then suddenly the money was all gone. And his friends were all gone. And he was working on a farm and he was looking at the pig's food and he was going, I'm actually tempted to eat this. That is how messed up my life is right now. That's how low I feel right now. What I need to do is I need to go back to my dad. But obviously there's no way that he can be, that he could be dad anymore. That's just not an option. So maybe I'll go back and, and maybe by his mercy he would let me be a servant. And we pick up the story here and it says, So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to his servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Kill the, kill the calf that we've been fattening. We need to celebrate with a feast. For his, this son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. He was lost and now he's found. And then they had a party. Now I've heard that story quite a few times. You probably have as well. But when I read this and when I was preparing for this talk, God said, I want you to look at the son's reaction here. I want you to go back and, and look at the son's response. And I realized it doesn't say, you know, filled with love and compassion the father ran to his son, and his son ran to him. Like, it's some slow-mo movie scene. Like, it's not like they're running to each other. The father's running to the son. 
It doesn't say, as the father embraces his son, the son embraced him back and felt warm, fuzzy feelings. It doesn't say that either. In fact, it says quite the opposite. It, makes, it suggests that the son is feeling really rotten and feels really low and feels like even though my dad is hugging me and telling me that I'm loved, I don't, I don't feel that right now. And what's important, and I believe that Jesus told this story in this way for a reason. I feel like Jesus wants us to focus on the dad's actions and not the son's feelings or the son's response. Being a Christian isn't about feeling warm, fuzzy feelings all the time because we have lives that are all over the place and can be up and down and can get us feeling up and down all the time. But you need to know that God is constant. It's not your faith that is all over the place. It's just your feelings. And God can help you through that. Now, I'm going to ask you to apply this, and it's going to be potentially... It's more difficult than, it, than, than just saying it, but don't let your feelings determine your actions. And this is something that I'm working on. I'd be surprised if it's something that I master in my life. But it's something that we need to be working towards, to not let your feelings determine your actions. I think it's a good principle whether you're a Christian or not. Because when we allow our feelings to determine our actions, our lives can get pretty messy. Because they're unreliable. Now, if you are a Christian here, I just want to give you a few tips that, that Jess and I came up with. Just to help you not allow feelings to control your life. The first one is this. Learn to recognize it. Recognize when you're acting out of your feelings or, or when you're feeling a certain way and go, okay, why am I feeling this way? What's causing me to feel like this? Recognize it. The second one. Think about what God says about you and speak it out. I know somebody who was uh, really battling with insecurities, really battling with insecurities, and uh, they said to me that they, they got up every single morning for a month, I think it was, and before they left the house, they looked themselves in the mirror and they read out a psalm that said, you know, you're fearfully and wonderfully made, and started speaking out truths about themselves, and that broke something. Because the more you speak truth, the more you believe it. And the more you believe it, the more it can change your life. Number three, connect with other people. Connect groups are incredible. And Leon's not asked me to plug this. I'm plugging it because I honestly think they are amazing. My connect group is brilliant. I can turn up on a Tuesday evening and I can say to those guys, guys, I've had such a bad week. I'm feeling so low right now. I just, I don't know what to do. Or, because connect groups are about building relationship with people, I can walk through the door and I don't even need to say anything. Those, those guys know me and they go, Jack, what's up? What's wrong? Because we've got that relationship. And then, because I'm feeling low, they can speak truth over me, even when I don't believe it, even when I don't feel like saying it myself. So if the band just want to come up and join me. If you've, um, if you've nodded off at any point during this, firstly, you've missed a great talk. <laughs> Secondly, I'm just going to 
I'm just going to wrap it up and just summarise what has been said. And I'm just going to read it out because I don't want to mess it up. But it's just a few points about faith. Faith is God's guarantee to us, not our guarantee to him. Faith is not a burden. Don't let yourself, don't, don't set yourself unattainable expectations or, or, or unattainable goals that God doesn't put on you. Don't think that you have to be perfect before God. Faith is not dependent on how you feel. Faith is so much bigger than that. And finally, faith is God's gift to us. It says in Ephesians, TV's gone, doesn't matter. It says in Ephesians, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is a gift from God. Something I felt when I was writing this talk was, was I felt like I needed to share that faith isn't a trophy, guys. Because the thing with a trophy is you achieve it, you win it by your efforts. And you go around and go, guys, look, you put on your, your mantelpiece, you go around to your friends and you go, guys, look, look at that trophy. Look what I've achieved. Look, I did it. But faith's not like that. Faith's a gift from God and nobody can boast about it because you haven't achieved it, guys. You've just chosen to accept it. You've chosen to receive it. And if you're in here this morning and you haven't chosen to receive that, I want you to know it's a free gift. And it's available to you right now. So what I want to do is I'm just going to read out a verse, a couple of verses in the book of Matthew. And I want you to just open up your hearts to God. I want you to open up your heart for God to speak to you, whether you're a Christian or not. I honestly believe that God wants to meet with every single one of us this morning. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the enforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. God wants to meet with every single one of us this morning. He wants you to accept that free gift. And he wants to help you to live freely and lightly. I think we're just going to sing a song now about God's love. And I just want to encourage you. Have your heart open. Have your heart open because God wants to speak.